Hello, you're listening to Abiding Life Studios. Today in the studio, I have Steve Reinhard. He is from Colorado Springs. Hi, Noah. Hi. <laughs> glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. And I have Tim Lester. He's from Maryland. Hello. And I have Terry Kraft. He's from Fort Collins. Uh, good morning. Actually, Grand Junction. But oh, Grand okay. Junction. Man, <laughs> almost had it. <laughs> Uh, today, I believe Steve's got some questions for Tim. Yeah, we've you know we've known each other for a long time, and uh, I, I've actually been going through some junk. I'm getting rid of stuff, and I came across a letter from Mike from 1988. Wow! And we were talking, and in it, he's talking about simplifying his message at that time. And, and I know, Tim, you're doing a lot of training and you have offer some really uh, great tools for us mm-hmm. uh, in the abiding life crowd and, and uh, for, for believers from all different backgrounds. Sure. And uh, we were talking the other day about one of those uh, types of training, which we used to call like the basic. Right. Because we really needed the basic because we had like... And, and I still feel like that. I still feel like I need the basics. So maybe I could just like throw out for us to discuss if you could, if you could have a, just throw, give us the abiding life message in a nutshell. Could you do that for us right sure. now? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> abiding in nutshell would be like this. And, and I'll just say it even in terms of uh, how we, uh, we approach it. Uh, with the training the idea is is that there's uh, we act and react a particular way in life it's just all of us all of us have good behaviors bad behaviors we operate in a certain way and the problem is is a lot of times we never really look at look at that or or uh, figure out why we're acting and reacting the way we do and so um, uh, abiding just assumes this that for people who who have the life of christ in them who have chosen to invite christ in there's something that he does on their behalf to actually give them back control of their lives because Christ is controlling their life. Literally, I'm depending on him again and again and again and again, moment by moment. And uh, so what we do in the training is spend some time talking about what that looks like. And, of course, the other part of the training is that we spend a lot of time talking about when Christ is working in me. When I'm abiding in him, when I'm remaining connected to him would be another way to say it. What is it he does on my behalf to, to take me to the place? He t- Jesus promised once uh, that I'm going to give you life to the full. And he was talking about what happens on this planet. So when I'm, on a bi- I'm abiding in Christ, I'm remaining connected to him. There's things that he does on my behalf to take me to this place called a full life. Some people call it abundant life, um, uh, but a, a life where I actually have the freedom to choose the things he designed me to operate uh, in, in life. So just to follow up on that, Tim, I really like hearing that. I, and I, lo- I love that um, abiding in a nutshell. But just... Um, I'd like to say I'm playing devil's advocate or just dumb Absolutely. here, just dumb, but I'm really not. I'm really curious sure. because uh, I love I love this message. What is it he does to take me? What you know? What what does he do to take me as a believer to that place of freedom or like you were saying to of choice maybe? Sure, 
Sure. Well, <clears throat> when Christ is in me, and we use a simple illustration that Christ is in my spirit, and I usually tell people to picture that somewhere around their stomach, mm-hmm. and, and just think about your ability to think, feel, and decide, and then you have your body. And so what happens is, is when Christ comes inside me, he actually does something for me I cannot do. One of you are asking, what does he actually do? According to the scriptures, Christ is able to give me desires that I do not have. It's not that he forces them on me because I've invited him to come and work in my life. He gives me desires I do not have. He actually has the ability to heal up some of the crazy brokenness that's happened in my life before, uh, before I came to Christ. He actually gives me the ability to say no when before I couldn't say no. Uh, the book of Romans says I used to be chained to sin, but no, now I'm not chained to sin anymore. And he also gives me the ability to bring my thoughts and emotions under control at a particular moment in time. And I don't know about you, Steve. Well, I do know about you, and I know about everybody else. Every one of us can get get way off with our emotions, and our thinking can just go into a downward spiral. Christ actually gives me the ability to have control. And then another thing that he does is he actually gives me the power or the ability to obey. So the beauty of it is I may be going in a completely wrong direction, something that's not good for me, something that doesn't give me the abiding, the abundant life Christ offered. But Christ will create desire in me. He'll help me to understand if my thinking's wrong or off track or crazy or it's just not good or it's not healthy. He shows me that it's not. Then he tells me the truth. Uh, one of the other things that Christ does in the middle of all that is, is he reminds me of how much value that I actually have. Even though I may have completely just sinned, failed, uh, had a lack of success, whatever else it might be. And then he starts creating these desires in me to obey, which, by the way, I enjoy doing as a believer, obeying. But he creates new desires in me and then gives me the ability to follow through. Well, from my perspective, that's a good plan because he can now overcome my hurts, give me new desires, and give me ability to head in the right direction. And I wasn't able to do that before. And I could give you many examples when I haven't trusted Christ before when I've been able to do none of that. Uh, this is Terry. Hi, Terry. Hello. Hey, I wanted to expound on that just a little bit. Sure. Because I remember once when uh, Mike Wells was in Grand Junction putting on a seminar, and he, like a three-day seminar, we went through a lot of the principles of abiding, mm-hmm. what it means, you know, what our idols are, how to identify that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, these different things. And so I was loaded up with all this information, <laughs> and I remember taking him to the airport, and uh, right before he got on the plane, I said, well, this is great, Mike, but how do you live this abiding? How do you do it? And he said, just recognize what you already have, mm-hmm. you know, Christ in us. And I think that we get kind of confused because we try to put it all together and, okay, I got to do this. And But you know what? Our memories, my memory, somehow, I don't know how it's that short, to forget that mm-hmm. we have this life in us. Yep. And we just need to remember and recognize yep. what he's doing. I agree. I agree. So, Steve, did I come anywhere close to answering your question? Yeah, I think you and Terry both both have answered my questions. And I think that those are um, – well, let me just see if I can – if I've got what you said. So, sure. um, 
what's he what some one of the things he does is um and maybe kind of backtracking back because i wrote everything down um just for my own benefit he's already done everything for me right terry is that yep. what you were saying Absolutely. And so the biting part is I get to recognize that. And so what, what I'm recognizing is that he recognizing that he creates a new desire in me mm-hmm. and he values me, even if I blow it, that he's going to show me the truth and has shown me the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I recognize that he's given me the ability to obey, that he's given me new thoughts, new emotions and ability to choose yep is that right yep and the important thing for me and i'm just talking me but i believe it's true for everybody is that any given moment i can literally fail to recognize and continue to go back into the spiral that i used to go into and it's only as i turn to christ in the moment and when i say turn to christ i mean say jesus i'm here i i I recognize i'm a mess and I invite you into this. And then again, just like he has many times before, he begins to give me new thoughts. He begins to give me new desires. He gives me new ability. Sorry, he's there. I've always had all I needed. But uh, I can't tell you the number of times I don't choose to turn to him in the middle of my failure. So can I ask you a question? I mean, and sure. I'm serious. Is that a big deal? Is what a big deal? Not turning to him in the middle of whatever your failure well it's it's a big deal in terms of uh how i get on in the next few minutes <laughs> uh it doesn't undo jesus ah. so i so i'm going to tell you i don't think it's a big deal to him because he's he's incredibly patient and uh honestly i'm pretty convinced that sometimes there's a little something for me to learn along the way in terms of what i when i choose poorly when i don't choose to run to him and i've learned just as much in that as when I've been really open to what he's saying doing. I'm not saying he's happy with my sin. That's not my point. I'm just saying uh, he has this amazing way of taking the incredibly stupid things I choose and turning them into a place where I, I end up at the place of abundance. Yeah, I love hearing that. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I make so many mistakes myself and, mm-hmm. and have, have so many flaws. And I'm beginning to like them more and more. <laughs> Other people don't like them, but but I'm really enjoying them. And I, you know, and that was one of the things that was interesting in that letter that, uh, uh, as I was reading through it, you know, I'm throwing all this stuff away and it's like, I've got to read this one just for fun. Uh And uh, one of the things that uh, Mike had said was, we uh, he he had talked about self. We were, did a lot of focusing on self and the different right. selves and the dying to self and the self you reckon to be dead and right. uh, and the biting and the things we've talked about here today. But one of the interesting things he said was he had to learn to love himself, mm. and without learning to love himself, which is part of that unique self test uh, or exercise. Part of, without that, all of the rest of it was powerless. I thought that was pretty interesting. I never thought of it in those terms before. What do you think of that? Well, I haven't learned. I haven't thought about that in a while. So not the unique self, but about loving myself. All of that is powerless. Jesus said once, uh, "Love your neighbor as you love yourself." I mean, that was that was his 
his encouragement challenge direct command whichever you care to place it but i if i i my direct response to you is is if i refuse the love the unique way that christ put me together i'll be forever battling the way christ intends to move and work in me and so let me give you an example i am literally the most disorganized person i know now the only the only possible wisdom that I can tell you I've had over the years is I've put fellows like you guys around me who are incredibly good at organizing things and putting things together and really are great at the detail. I spent years beating myself up over uh, not being more organized. Well, if we did my unique self, you'd see that's never going to happen. I mean, I work really, really hard at keeping my life in order, and it's barely adequate. But one of the things the enemy used to do is to convince me I was never going to be a benefit to this ministry, Abiding Life Ministries, or I've worked for a lot of years in local churches as well, that I actually was going to be substandard for the rest of my life. And I spent a lot of time in misery and depression because I just couldn't quite keep up with the standard that was put up for me. Matter of fact, in in, uh, every church I've ever worked in, and I appreciate them, they're good ministries, they're doing good things, Uh, they all sent me to seminars just on getting organized. And every single time I went, I'm not saying I didn't learn any benefit, because I have, but I walked away every time completely depressed, Mm. because I knew I was never going to meet the standard. Now... That doesn't mean a person just says, well, you know, I just give up and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to try to do anything in an organized fashion. I'm not going to worry about having people around me that can do those kinds of things. That's a valid point. It's, it's a practical thing in life. But back to your question in terms of loving the self Christ has made me to be, if I don't buy who he made me to be, I'll actually be fighting the reality of I'm completely accepted the way I am. And so I'd agree with the statement, but this is a very personal issue for me because uh, the self-condemnation that comes for me in relationship to not being organized has just about buried me. Hmm. Hmm. I, uh, I have a comment that on Steve's question about loving yourself, I think recognizing God's love for each of us is a huge barrier uh, for Christians, mm-hmm. especially non-Christians, but even Christians. And so it took me a long time to really, because the word love, you know, God loves us. We hear it's, it's everywhere, you know. We just almost grow tone deaf to it. You hear it in church. But I think it's a revelation that God has to bring to us. And the fact is, what I've been thinking is, if God loved us so much, each one of us, that he sent his son to die for us, and we don't love ourselves at all, what does that say? It says we're not agreeing with God. You know, he loves us that much. And so the next time we get in this situation where you, know, you hate yourself or whatever, just remember, if God loves me this much, then I should be in agreement with him. Yep, I agree. Hmm. What yeah. do you think about that, Noah? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've talked about it before that I just started loving myself a year ago, so it's been it's been very nice, uh, a very big change to see how much God actually. I started loving myself as I just thought, well, I'm going to love myself as much as He loves me, or as much as everyone keeps telling me He loves me, uh-huh. and that just it 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 changed so much in my life. Well, and what what did it change? 
It changed my marriage, number one. Um, changed how I was a dad, and I think it changed a lot how I was relationship with other people. Like Tim was saying, you know, love your neighbors as you love yourself, and I kind of just stayed away from everybody because <laughs> I tried to stay away from myself, you know, because I hated myself that much. Yeah. So what? No, I have a question for you. Yeah. So what? You know, you've been traveling quite a bit in the last year mm-hmm. uh, with the ministry. Yeah. And so dealing with other people and how you respond to them, how has that, you know, has that encouraged you? And how you love yourself, that you're really saying that you're worth loving, or how would you address that? Yeah, I guess, you know, I've always been with with other people. I definitely love, I love other people more than I always loved myself. Like, I could always show love towards them, and I could always tell them that, you know, God loved them. Because that's what I truly believed, that they, that God loved them more than he loved me, you know. And, yeah, I mean, it do, it has helped traveling around and you know, hearing so many different stories and, and seeing people come out of it and how much they feel loved and know that Christ loves them. So yeah, it's been, yeah, it's helped a lot, I would say. Steve, can I just respond one more thing? Sure, of course. And particularly, this has been important to me for, uh, I'll say the last decade. And it's just, and, and honestly, I'm grateful to God that he's been I've been seeing this more and more, and I you can call it revelation, you can call it he showed me, whatever words you like using, but there are other things about me, and I'm making a joke, but it's kind of true. There are other things about me that are annoying. One of them is, is I can't shut up. I talk constantly. And um, it's been interesting, about the last decade, and one of them happened in this last year, I had a fellow look at me and he says, would you just shut up? Well, <laughs> um, again, I'm not sure that I'm surprised because I'm sure I was talking, 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 talking. And and again, back to your first observation about the unique self, I'm not – the truth is, is that's what guys like me do with my unique self do. I went out of that meeting, and you'd think after all these years of working with Abiding Life Ministries, I went out of that meeting – And I felt deep depression because while, yes, I was talking aloud a a lot and looking back, I probably could have shut it off 15 minutes before. Honestly, was sharing my heart. I mean, I was laying it out there on the table, being honest about what Christ had done, my failure and all that. And I don't know why the guy was annoyed, but, uh, you know, he just said, listen, would you shut up and stop talking? So all that I saw Christ do, and there were some pretty incredible things that happened when we got together, and it was the Lord. They got a blessing, but I walked out of there believing a lie. And honestly, that day I thought, you know what? This is the last time I'm ever going to speak or teach. What was the lie, Tim? The lie was very simply that uh, I am so consumed with myself that I can't shut up. That was one lie. That's what I was hearing in my head. Two, that I didn't have anything to say. And and to be honest with you, part of that's true. Because the only thing of value I've ever been able to say, Christ showed me anyway. But three, I have this thing in me that I f- have felt for years that if I don't walk out of a room and everybody's happy saying what a great guy Tim is, uh, that I failed completely. Mm-hmm. Well, that's living to people and living on what they think about me. 
But the truth is, is the only thing that honestly matters to me most days, except I'm, when I've been drawn off into one of those funks, is that people understand who Christ is. So one, that, so the big lie was, is I had somehow failed as a guy who's been working. I had misrepresented Abiding Life Ministries poorly. I had misrepresented myself as a, a Christ follower, uh, that I was just some big blowhard that just talked long enough that people would finally say, uh, uh, okay, Tim. And so I was a failure at doing what I'd spent all these years. I mean, I had degrees out the wazoo and that all of that didn't matter. You just can't fix Tim. And so there's something flawed in Tim. Well, I mean, if you guys wanted to be bored, I could tell you where all that came from, you know, from the early years of life. But the bottom line is there are moments when I believe that lie again and again. So so I'm just thinking out loud here, Tim. So would would you – I mean, just from my perspective, it sounds pretty good that the guy told you to shut up. Well, actually, I'm happy he did. How come? Well, here's why. Because there was still something in me. He may have said, Tim, just shut up. And actually, it doesn't even matter whether or not he was being a good guy or a bad guy. Let's just assume he's this obnoxious guy, and the only reason he was mad that I was talking is because... He wanted to talk. He wanted to talk. (laughs) Let's not assume anything good or bad about him. Here was the problem for me, from my perspective. There's something in me that still looks to other people for approval. Now, I'm not even saying there's anything wrong with you guys saying, hey, Tim, you're a nice guy, or to say, you know, you're okay. You might be fun to be around. That's different than living to people, having your whole sense of value and well-being rise or fall on what the next guy says to you. And so here's the reason I'm glad that happened. Yet again, it's only it's been in this last year. I thought I was done with all of that. <laughs> that I was finally free from the applause of people. And I could tell you long, boring stories about how I've spent years trying to get everybody to acknowledge what an amazing guy Tim Lester was. Uh, but the truth is, is I don't need any of that to have a complete, satisfied, solid sense of, of, la- of value, and it has to be wrapped up in Christ. I tell you what, I, and, I, and what it's shown me is, is that one of the principles we teach in a body is that you can't fix your flesh. You can't fix those things that, quote-unquote, might be broken in you or can have a, a, a very negative expression because you're tempted, you fall into a, a pattern of wrong behaviors and whatever. Well, all it showed me is, is all of that's still possible in me except in this moment, if I abide in Christ, all Christ really wanted to have from happen. I'm not saying Christ didn't do anything in the meeting that we had, but there was something he wanted to do in Tim, and it's that Tim would quit running to other people yet again to get his attaboy, and I'd hear his voice in my head that says this, I love you, and you're exactly the way I need you to be. You're my man. I invested my life in you. I must so here's what i prayed after that happened this last time and it was a pretty big deal i was depressed for two days is the lord i i make a simple request that i be able to hear your voice and i don't want you to stop sending those people to me because the whole thing actually puts me in a place where i have to ask and seek you i have to listen to your voice in the middle of all that Mm. so at this point while i'm not volunteering to have that happen to me again honestly it revealed something in me that i thought was gone and it wasn't 
and that's okay. And it taught me even more to depend on Christ in this moment and then the next moment and the next moment. Yeah, that's great. I'm so glad you told us that story. Thanks a lot. That's really, that's really moving. And, and it makes me feel free to like, because I'm here, one of those guys who's just a pain in the butt most of the time. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself now. (laughs) And I like to talk about myself so much too. It's like just, it's just so much fun. Yeah. 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 Uh, yes, I know. Well, you want me talking about myself? <laughs> Not really, but I. <laughs> but I do, and I'm so glad you told us that story. And I think that points out one of the things that uh, you know. I talked about that letter from 1988, where we kind of had a, a misconception of what abiding was like. That if we would, you know, and maybe we even we might have even mentioned that and kind of given that today when, you know, like if. If you abide in Christ, he's going to give you the right feelings and the right thoughts and the ability, and he's going to bring your th- give you the power to bring all your thoughts and emotions into captivity and the ability to obey, and, and everything's going to be great. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of the fallacy is that it, it, it's all true in the moment. And in one moment, I can experience exactly Christ in another moment. I can experience exactly me <laughs> and I kind of like both because the one drives me to him yep. and I, sure. and I really do enjoy the more I really do. And, you know, I think that's the, one of the things that you mentioned is um, if you could have come out of that meeting and said, you might've been feeling kind of low or you might not have been, you might've been feeling rejected um, and just said, Oh, I did it again. I just did it again, you know. Oh, you know, I really love to talk about all these things, and uh, you know, I just did it again. It would have had a different thing instead of beating the hell out of yourself. Yep. yep. Uh, and, and listening, you know, to what you were telling yourself is, uh, you know, all, it, what you know. You already told us how mm-hmm. how awful you were and how terrible you were, and yeah, you're never going to change it. And it's just you're just blabbing, embarrassing yourself in the yep. ministry, and right. uh, and all those things that. You know, honestly, they might be true, but not a big deal because we Absolutely. all we all do that. Absolutely. And uh, I anyway. So thanks so much for sharing sure. that. Sure. And I think maybe that would help clarify, you know, that we abide in the moment. Mm-hmm. We don't abide one time for all. Mm-hmm. I wanted to. I think this kind of circles us back to what we were talking about just a little bit ago about God's love for us and how we unfortunately get our sense of value from the wrong things. And Tim was talking about how his sense of value was derived from someone's acceptance and approval. Well, I'm really, that's me too, okay? Mm. But that's just one way, (laughs) one wrong road we get on. Uh, I retired a year and a half ago, and for a man, his work, the value he produces uh, becomes kind of who he is mm-hmm. and uh in the last year of my work i didn't feel value uh our company was i was we were sold to another company i didn't feel like i was providing any value mm-hmm. and it was kind of a depressing year mm-hmm. but in the end it made me realize where where are you seeking your value your value isn't in what you do mm-hmm. in what work you perform or who accepts you mm-hmm. my value is that the creator of the universe loves me mm-hmm. and you know, we just got to keep reminding. I think, especially as males, uh, we fall into that trap. 
a lot looking for our value in, in the wrong places. That's a great point, Terry. Yep. Yeah, Terry, I'd, I would, if I can just piggyback onto that one thing, and Noah and I have talked about this a lot, you know, the big one of the big deals out there right now is, is that uh, let's all create uh, these uh, mini accountability groups where you come in and report on how you've been doing, you know, what you're, whether or not you've done this sin or that sin or whatever else. And <clears throat> I don't want to get too deep into this, but uh, one of the things Noah and I have been talking about is, is what if we just made an accountability group? And I'm talking about for men right now. I mean, it certainly could apply to women. What if we made an accountability group? You and I got together and you go, you know, this week has been not great. And here's the lie I've been hearing in my head. And, and, uh, and all I really did was remind you and point you to the revelation that you do have this great place of value. And not because I'm, you know, trying to pump you up and do a pep talk. But whether or not you even buy what I'm saying, it's reality, and uh, that that's the you know. It, it, uh, and so I tell you what, I could get into. It's one of the reasons I like hanging out. I've hung out a lot with Steve over the years as I've got to come to Colorado and Noah, and, and uh, being reminded of those things, it just sort of does a reset for you. And for me, the reset is to be more attentive to what Christ is speaking to me all the time. Amen my value so Noah, how's that uh how's that shake out for you yeah i I, i'm guessing you guys are you're just saying value is same as i'm trying to think of the word um uh i had it when terry was talking of course now i completely forgot that's because i started running my mouth again (laughs) yeah then i just zoned out while you were talking (laughs) um i can't think of the word right now but basically what who you are. What's that word? That uh, Your identity. identity. Yes, yeah, your identity. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's just, yeah, what your identity is. And so many times I look at my sin as being my identity huh. and not looking that my identity is Christ. So, yeah. you know, I mean, that's how I, I know. That's how I look at it. And when I get into sin and stuff, I beat myself up pretty bad and then think I don't deserve God's God's love. So then I go down that spiral even deeper and then sin some more and then get deeper into the sin and then <laughs> then I explode. So, But yeah. I, I'm starting to recognize it more, you know, instead of going deeper into that mm-hmm. black hole. It makes me remember, uh, like I heard on one of Mike's uh, tapes or CDs, uh, like how long do you punish yourself, you know, for a sin? Yeah, you know, like if it's a big sin, you punish yourself for like a month, or if it's a small sin, a week, or whatever. And uh, he says, "Lord, forgive me," you know, mm-hmm. and go on. Yeah, uh, that is not who we are. And I think sometimes we feel that we have to pay this penance or whatever for a certain amount of time. But with Christ as our life, uh, that's the old man. We can say, "God, forgive me," and go go live in him yeah and that's probably the the true life for all of us right that you that you just that sin is what owns you and it's not christ owns us yeah those are great those are great points we kind of got off track here (laughs) so we might have to do another one so tim can give us the uh just a little the basics of the basics and what and do the uh i'd like to just like throw out this idea that maybe our whole idea of value, because we're talking about value and mm-hmm. worth, 
you know, I've kind of come to the conclusion that maybe my, not maybe mine are really screwed up and that my whole idea of what's valuable, I'm honestly, I'll throw this out. You guys can tell me if I'm way off base. I probably am. Is that I'm kind of like ready to chuck the whole idea of value, value, Mm -hmm. uh, that I have value uh, because value kind of relates to like good and bad. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's the ultimate value, knowledge of good and evil Mm. and instead of life. And so I think I would rather have the relationship and not think in terms of value. Cause I, like I didn't, when my kids were born and even today, uh, and I have conflict with them. I don't ever think in terms of what they're worth to me or what their value is to me. I think in terms of my connection with them, my mm-hmm. relationship with them. I, I mean, I've never thought in terms of like, wow, he's worth a whole lot to me or he's mm. worth less today because of how I'm feeling or how I'm acting. What do you guys think? Am I off, way off base here? I, yeah, I don't think so. Because if I can have a high value of you, I can also have a low value. Yeah, exactly. So does God have like low value for some people and high value for other people? I mean, I'm just thinking out loud here. I'm, Mm -hmm. and I realize I'm, well, sounding nuts. Well, uh, Uh, I don't think you're sounding nuts. Somebody else. No, go ahead, Tim. I have a couple of thoughts about this, but I mean, uh, two two things come quickly to my mind, and I go immediately to being a dad. You know, you mentioned about your kids, and um, um, I used to say a lot that. I invested really well in my children. Well, there, there's nothing wrong with me saying. I mean, I know the kinds of things that that uh, infuse love uh, in your children and so on, and, and they have a sense of, uh, and certainly give them a sense of direction and training, those kinds of things like that. Well, uh, we have uh, we have six kids all together, and uh, let's just say a couple of them, not to name one of them over the other but because uh, I won't but uh, there's a couple of them that are in not great places and it's been curious to me that while I have been angry at them about the things that they've chosen mostly because the destruction I see them putting on themselves I mean they're they, from my incredible great wisdom things aren't going well for them and um, but what's been interesting to me is my love for them hasn't changed Hmm. And if you want to talk about value and how well you're doing or not doing those kinds of things like that, my love for them has not changed. And so uh, purely on a human perspective, uh, that what you're saying is, is true in terms of children and, and uh, how we love our children. Uh, certainly the idea that uh, we even have any, and I'm going to use the word value right now, have any value, another word we might have is acceptance, Everything that I've just, I'm quickly going over the scriptures in my head that I know where it talks about Christ and his view of us and his, and, uh, and his love for us and incredible patience and all that. You can't really say, for instance, if you look at all the passages of scripture that have to do with God's long-suffering for us and his patience for us, almost every one that comes to my mind right now is all in the context of somebody doing really poorly. So you can't really even look at how God views us and say, this is when he's really, really patient with us. It's all in the context of either doing horribly or really, uh, if I can use the the idea of missing the mark. So that demonstration of patience and long-suffering, you don't long-suffer with someone 
uh, that you there's not something within them that has dare I say certainly on God's part an eternal sense of value to you not based on what they're doing but they're yours I guess that's my point is they're yours and their value is only based on one thing that they're yours well I want to take a stab at it sure because it's an interesting question and I I think I know where you're going with it but but (laughs) uh, it all comes down to definitions right and value I believe that when you asked the question, it struck me a little funny, but I say we do have value, but we have value not in what we do, but in who we are. So God created us for, you know, he must value us. And yesterday morning, uh, when, when uh, we live in Grand Junction, but we come over to Arvada to see our uh, daughter and son-in-law and two grandsons. And I always love to come to their church. And... Uh, in church yesterday, the very last thing the pastor said in the sermon was, he said, the accuser says we have no value. And I think, you know, that when we believe that, when we believe that we're worth nothing, you know, we become depressed. But we do have a value. But I would say it's not in what we do or what we accomplish, but it's in who we are. We're a child of God. I, I like that. I, you know, yeah, I really great. just was throwing out the sure. question because this is my question. It's not, uh, I don't think there's any, I don't have an answer to it. I have a like kind of, um, <laughs> I, 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 it's a question. It's a, it's a question. So well, I, yeah, go ahead. So, so I, for me, it's, um, it's, a it's something I'm exploring and I, and you know, I like both of those answers. I think they're, they're right on and they work. Yep. So. Well, Steve, if you'll if you'll uh, um, endure a quick example of what Terry was just talking about, uh, many years back, uh, I was at a place where I was out of ministry, many out of ministry in the sense of working at a church uh, as a minister on a paid staff, and through a whole series of events, I ended up, and I'm going to tell you by the leading of God, ended up in a hospital as a nursing assistant with all my degrees to do everything else and ministry and psychology and all that I'm in a hospital working in as a nursing assistant my job was to clean up after everyone messed themselves hmm. and that was my only job well that and to get them off the floor after I cleaned them up hmm. Wow! and uh, and I did that for quite a while years and uh, at that place, there were very few people who even knew my my actual name, Tim. I actually began to believe my my real name was Hey You, because <laughs> all they wanted was the mask cleaned up, and um, they I was literally on the bottom, and uh, nobody cared about anywhere I anything where I'd come from. Uh, quite frankly, during that time, I was. I went uh, for a year where I was uh, looked like I was uh, one of the little kids that are hungry on the TV that are emaciated, and I went from there to having too much weight. So there was nothing appealing about me. Nobody knew who I was. And honestly, don't know about you, but in terms of the things that you would do, doing that for a living didn't exactly fill me with an incredible amount of value. And nobody ever said, wow, Tim, we're really glad you're doing that. So there was none of that, and there were a lot of other circumstances in my life that pretty much were complete failure. I mean, that's where it was. 
And one of the things that I discovered, and I'm grateful to God because it wasn't because I got smart, in the middle of that, it became easier and easier to hear from him that I was a man of great value. And there was nothing going on in my life at all that told me that, except that I was his. And I can remember complaining during that whole time. But yes, Lord, you've trained me to do all of this and, you, and this and this and this. And, and he never released me from that, for, or he did not release me from that situation for years. And depending on the day when you would have uh, asked me, I would have told you that I was living in hell during that time. And I would have an incredibly bad attitude about the whole thing. But I did discover at least some measure of what we're talking about, that our identity in, is truly not based ever on what I do. Mm-hmm. And the only other thing I was thinking, you know, we talked to Noah was talking about how our identity, our place of value, or whether or not we even ought to be breathing around here ends up rising or falling on whether or not we're sinning. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you know, we might as well just lay it all out on the table. Uh, in my early years of ministry, I would define myself by what sins I had overcome. Hmm. Woohoo! Yeah, baby. Yeah. You know, I was on top of the And, of course, I would make sure that I said that to people that were actually struggling with the sin yep. that I supposedly had overcome. Oh, of course. <laughs> I didn't want to talk to somebody who had something you hadn't overcome. And so, so but, but to your point, as a believer, I can place my value in looking good about the right things. Yeah, and I guess maybe that's my what I'm saying is that I've, I've noticed that how, you know, my values are screwy like that in just in not just one thing, but in many things, many areas I've got values that are like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you call them worldly values or, or carnal values. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I've noticed that they're perpetrated and going through every aspect of my life and also my relationship with the Lord. And so I I guess that's probably what's prompted that question Mm -hmm. is like I had like an eye opening kind of moment where it's like, wow, my values are screwy. And Mm -hmm. and I think I'm more along I'm I'm moving more to the direction where I really I really just want life. I really want him as my life. Mm -hmm. And to be like Noah was saying, our identity, I really want to experience that I've said it a thousand times that what's true of Jesus is true of me. Mm. And I want that experience, that life, yeah. that connection, the, you know, the, the things we were all talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and I think my values have kind of gotten in my way mm. of my experience of mm. that. Yeah. Good point. So, Good point. Good point. Good question. Yeah. The only thing I was going to add to that, and I don't know if it even goes along with this, but you know, you know, I've gone deep, deep into sin before and trying to find happiness in that. I thought it would make me happy. Mm-hmm. And all it did was make me depressed, hate myself more. Of course, you know, then you get out of it and you're like, oh, you forget pretty quick. Oh, I think I should go back into that and <laughs> see what it, I'm pretty sure that will make me happy and I get back into it. Well, and what I realized what you, while you guys are talking about value stuff, what I noticed was and who knows if this is even the right word for it, but me personally valued more. I got more value out of life when I seek Christ. Hmm. And I'm not saying when I seek Christ, I don't sin. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when I fully 
relationship with him, talk to him, everything like that. Uh, it's a good value for me. Yeah, I get yeah. a lot out of it. Yeah, you know, and I am happier, and sin doesn't bother me as much. Wow, because I I'm love just hearing that. him. I love there. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if that goes along. Yeah, with yeah no, that's. I think Same that's that's it. That's it. You know, because I think our focus is always sin. Mine is like, and that's why I know my values are screwed up. Mm-hmm. Is that it's oh, it's like I've, I'm either going to enjoy it or I'm going to run from it or I'm going to brag that I overcome it. You know, but it's always my focus instead of going, oh wow, I just really am enjoying the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Sin management. Sin management. I think that's what they call it, they call it in the church. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say like more like yeah, sin management or sin managing me. One of the two. Yeah. And, but it's my focus, and it really does get me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, me too. But Well, I think that brings us back to, a, you know, Mike, one of his famous things always said, you know, you have, you know, your problems on one hand, you have Christ on the other. It's kind of hard, but we got audio, not visu- uh, visual, but, uh, you know, the hand closest to you is Christ, and that's what you see. Yeah. And your problems, your sin is still there, but that's not our focus. That's not what drives us. Yeah. Great point. Great yeah. point. Yep. Amen. Amen. Well, maybe we can uh, take a break here, and uh, if we still want to do the other thing, we can do that. Yeah. Well, that wraps it up for this podcast, and don't forget to check out the website at abidinglife.com. Thank you.